Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Kinda Opinionated Podcast. Today we, we interview uh, Mr. Mark Eberline, right? Eberline, Eberline, how do you say it? It's Eberline, you're correct. Eberline. He's running for uh, State Senate 3. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, awesome. Well, <laughs> that's good to hear that you're doing good. Um, if it's okay with you, I'll be asking you some questions, which I think people care about in our communities. Is that okay with you? Yes, it is. Awesome. Let's get started. Uh, so the first question is, what makes, like, what makes you stand out in this particular race, and why are you running? Well, the why are you running one, quite commonly people say, well, to give back to the community or some other nebulous answer like that. Why am I running for office? I've got children, I've got grandchildren. Presumably someday I will have great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren that want to live here. And if we don't take care of our nation, our state, and our county, what's, what do we leave as a future for our children? As you can yeah. see, we're in some rather, rather trying times right now. Yeah. And the ability to work or the ability to buy a property or to build a house, those things are very important to young people as they grow up. Yeah. Our government is, um, has some runaway um, regulations that are causing problems for us. And I aim to slow those up as much as possible so that my family and your family and everybody else in this county's family can enjoy what I've been able to enjoy in my lifetime. Well, yeah. And so the other question is in my particular race, in fact, I would say any race, you can sum it up in one thing experience matters. Of the, I'm not going to speak about other candidates. But for myself, I've served four years as a Kootenai County Commissioner. I've learned what things that are done by the state, what legislation damages the ability of county commissioners to keep the property taxes down. For example, an unfunded mandate. I'm not sure the exact number we're going to have, but the initial one was that the state of Idaho determined that we needed 12 new public defenders. In the world of public defense, you need to have parity between the prosecuting attorney's office and the public defender's office. Now the public defender is guaranteed by our constitution. So if you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed to you. Yeah. But if the state of Idaho gives us free of charge, and when I say the word free, I mean free. <laughs> when they give us 12 new public defenders, there's a cost to that. We have to find a place to put them. We have to provide desks and furniture. We have to provide um, support staff for them. We need to provide computer programs. We need to provide telephones and a plethora of other of things. And in turn, the prosecuting attorney's office 
needs to be able to keep parity, so they're going to have to hire more attorneys so that they're able to properly prosecute the cases that come before the courts. I've had lunch with the um, prosecuting attorney here, Barry McHugh, probably it's been a month, month and a half ago now. He thinks he's able to do it for, with two new prosecuting attorneys, deputy prosecuting attorneys. But even at that, where do you put them at? Yeah. And how, how would you know the ramifications to a county with something that's handed down by the state unless you've actually sit in the position where you're dealing with local taxpayer dollars. That's one example of, of things that takes experience to know how to do to be able to properly represent the people. Yeah. And hoping that you've got something right. And that's yeah. the primary concern of people today is their property taxes are totally out of hand. Oh and yeah. There are people who are gonna have to move and sell their property in order to be able to continue on. Otherwise, they could lose their properties. Yeah, so uh, this is just a question I just had. With how as Senate, as if you win this race, how, were, how will you try to like, because you brought up property taxes and you brought up um, the other issues that you think are important, uh, but as Senate, uh, as uh, state senator uh, for District Three, how how will you help that situation? Having the knowledge of the effect on the counties by legislation that's passed and our inability to keep up with it, I'm able to communicate those thoughts. In this case, before the Senate, or things that they may have never considered and their decisions when they're passing or approving a bill. The same with the House too. There are very few commissioners that ever go to the Senate or to the House. As you may know, county commissioners make many decisions over the course of a, of a week or a month or a year or two or yeah. four years, whichever they take. And sometimes you're, you're making decisions that don't appeal to some of your friends and supporters and other people too. And they're difficult decisions. And if people had, you know, the ability to sit in on the meetings at the county, they may understand them more. But it's a unique position to be able to go down as a former county commissioner to be able to put forth ideas and concepts that that are largely unthought of down there. Yeah. When I was on the board of directors of Idaho Association of Counties, and I told them this is almost two and a half, well, two and a half years ago that I was planning to run for the this, this Senate seat, they were quite happy because they don't get county commissioners that go on to be a senator very often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for your answer. Uh, moving on, this is just a question I had, and I, I don't know how many other people know it. I'm assuming a, a, not very many, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. Uh, can you explain to me how political districts work? Because uh, I know you're running for District 3, but what does that mean? So the state of Idaho, in, as regards the, as regard the legislative districts, and that's what this is, Legislative District 3 that I'm running for, by statute, they're supposed to divvy up the state into legislative districts that are supposed to have roughly the same number of people in each legislative district. 
and each legislative district will have one senator and two representatives. And so in the process, they have to take into account geography, um, the numbers of people, cities, like for example, Coeur d'Alene is district four, and it's a very tiny, tiny legislative district. And that's because of the numbers of people that are in a very small confined area in comparison to the rest of the county. Yeah. My legislative district runs from Highway 53, south along the Idaho-Washington border to the boundary of the southernmost boundary of Kootenai County, which borders um, Benoit County across, and then it continues north on the west side of, of Lake Coeur d'Alene. And then it kind of wiggles its way across the prairie up to, and it also includes Athol. The other legislative districts are um, District 2 would run from somewhere up north Excuse me, it's not Highway 53. It goes to the northernmost boundary of this legislative district. So they're, they are um, confined within certain areas up there too. And they're quite large. Um, and next year, they're going to have to go through and redistrict the state. So there'll be a large clamoring of, um, hey, this is not the proper place. You heard the term gerrymandering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are you familiar with what that is? Yeah. Okay, so in the state of Idaho right now, the Democrats and the Republicans both get the same exact number of, of uh, people that sit on that to make the decision of where the legislative districts will be. Although there are far more Republicans than Democrats in the state. Yeah. But they will go through and redistrict it. For example, there's one over here, I believe it's Legislative District 7. It runs clear along the eastern side of Idaho from up north of Kootenai County, and it wiggles its way all the way down south below the county and down to Lake Todd County. Quite, yeah. a, quite a mess. So those are, that makes it very difficult for a legislator to be able to, to um, travel around and meet all the people. Yeah. Well, but thank you for, what? That's, that's the importance of it, is trying to keep it divvied up without gerrymandering. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for your answer. Um, so earlier today, I went on my Facebook page and I asked if anyone had a question for uh, someone running to become a state senator. And um, one of the questions that came up um, in my direct messages or whatever uh, was, what has been the local political impact, good and bad, on, building, uh, on the building department opt-out law? And for those who do not know what this law is, could you explain it? It's not a law. It was a um, county ordinance. The state creates statutes and law. The counties merely follow those laws. So a couple years ago, within the, um, and, and I'm in opposite position, I don't think Lawrence Wasden made the correct, uh, gave the correct opinion. We put forth an option to be able to opt out of building codes proper, which means you have, right now the county um, provides a plan review, they issue a building permit after they've reviewed all the plans and then they come out and inspect your property. You don't always have to do that. In fact, there are other counties, Bonner County and Boundary County don't have building codes. They did not adopt them. In my reading of the state statute and in conjunction with some other attorneys determined that there is no um, 
there is no reason why you can't adopt an opt-out building permit, which means you will go down and get a location permit, and then you're responsible for making sure that the home is built properly. And you still are subject to the state of Idaho who manages electrical codes, HVAC codes, um, electrical codes, plumbing and sewer codes. You're still subject to the state of Idaho on those. There was a lot of confusion created over that. It's, it's a, it's, it creates excess regulation and it drags people down, makes it, hinders people to build. And even some of the premier uh, builders in the area, as that, pro as that um, program moved on, it was only in place for one year. And then the subsequent commissioners, the sitting commissioner Brooks and Filios uh, did away with it. But several premier builders, they jumped on the bandwagon and did it. Yeah. And there's in Bonner and Boundary County, they don't have those kind of problems up there. They don't have building codes. And it leaves it up to the individual to make sure their home is built properly. And it's, and just say it up front here, we have way bigger problems today than building codes. There's lots of problems out there. There's lots of government regulation, but building codes at this point in time, they're, they're not even on the radar because there's, we, we have property taxes that are just an utter killer. We have this COVID-19, which I'm sure you're well familiar with. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a little bit. I thought so. <laughs> and we have some, there's some overreach, I believe, from the, from the health, health districts and the health departments. I think that there's some overreach from um, Lawrence Wasden and Governor Little. And I, there's a lot of things to be addressed that um, are far bigger than is building codes. So what do you mean by overreach? Over means it's stepping out of their bounds. There's, I, I'm not convinced that they're using the proper directives to be able to stop people from walking around town. For example, you're familiar with the term um, uh, isolation. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're familiar with the term quarantine. Yes. In Idaho statute, both of those both of those refer to an individual to be quarantined like in typhoid mary they quarantined her so she couldn't go spread it around that's legitimate it's a proper function of government it's a hazard to the health of everybody else but right now we're locked down do we have the freedom of assembly today do i mean we have the freedom to go to church today well i that's, mean technically speaking it's not enforced so we could do whatever we wanted and I mean, so, I mean, he said it wasn't, he said it was a mandatory, what was it, mandatory shelter in place, but it's not, he doesn't, he didn't enforce it though. So, I mean, that's why there was a church service the other day and um, I, I forget what church it was, but there was a church service the other day. And I, I mean, yeah. Are you familiar with the young people that were just arrested and charged for not being in place when they were out on the town? Probably doing some stuff they shouldn't have been doing, but our Kootenai County Sheriff's Office uh, went up and um, arrested some of them and fined some of them. Yeah, and, and, and I think that in, because I saw that, uh, but when I, I thought that that was weird because they didn't, with the pastor and the people that, went to that church service they they didn't do anything and i don't know what they the did what 
So with the church service, and so you're talking about Pastor Tim Remington, who's a, a wonderful, wonderful man, done some fantastic stuff for this county for young people and people that were in need and people that had problems. He caved to political pressure because there was an outcry amongst a group of people that said, gee whiz, you can't do this. So some people say that, hey, we can, um, we can do our own church at our own house. We can drive down the road and talk to God. Not all religions are set up that way. People have different ways of worshiping their God. Yeah. I, for one, go to a church service. And in order for me to receive communion, I have to be physically present inside of that church. And so for the last couple, three weeks, I haven't been there. And it appears that I'm not going to be able to go to Easter Sunday Mass. Yeah. And so that's, I don't think that's very wise. And we had, we had things in our church in place preparing ahead of time to where there would be, they, they added, um, I think, up to six services from the typical four that we had. And then people would come in and they had it all spaced out in there to where you would sit six feet apart. Families oh. could sit together. And so it was all designed in there to keep everybody separated so we wouldn't have this potential spread. Yeah. But that and, fell by the wayside. And I think that makes sense. But yeah. Uh, well, thank you for answering that question. Um, this is another question I had. If you were to win this election, what would you try to do and try to implement implement in your district, uh, District 3? I would try to implement some sort of a property tax uh, modification to where, I mean, ideally, I am not a fan of property taxes. That's actually one of the planks of the Communist Manifesto is that you take away private property and you put exorbitant taxes on it. And so here we are in this state to where, and most states in the union, that property taxes are a fact of life and they have been for a long time. For example, the reason being, if I come over there and um, um, tell you that you're gonna owe $5 a year for the, wearing those, those um, headphones that you have on your head at this point in time, um, Pretty soon, you might not be able to afford those if we kept, jack, keep, kept jacking the tax up. But you would pay that so you, you didn't lose those headphones. Yeah. If, on the other hand, you had a sales tax on X headphones, you could choose whether to buy those headphones or not. But if you bought them, it would be a one-shot deal. Yeah. You pay sales tax and away you go. Right now, people don't have a choice but to pay their property taxes. So I would like to see... A modification, if we could remove property taxes, would be ideal. Um, and income taxes is, is, is another one of the planks of the uh, Communist Manifesto, in case you haven't read it. And that's, that's a way to um, keep people, and it's a, graduate, a heavy progressive graduated tax. And as you know, proper, um, income taxes have gotten quite high. So if we can come up with some way to meld those together to get a tax that people can actually afford, but that's going to take some changes in other places too. Yeah. For example, as you've probably heard, did you ever attend any of the meetings on the URDs? No, no, I couldn't. So, so Councilman Matt Roeder, Councilman Gookin, and um, Councilman Malloy, and Jeff Tyler of the Northwest Property Owners Association had a very nice um, conference up at the um, Coeur d'Alene Library. And um, 
Treasurer Steve Matheson has been instrumental in moving this forward. There's a lot of profits to be made. About $3.4 million per year of property taxes is distributed directly to urban renewal districts that's around the county. That means it's not used for government activities. For example, police, fire, ambulance, um, jails, courthouses, prosecutors, public defenders, and any other services provided. That money is not available to them. Instead, it goes off to urban renewal to build some project. Yeah. And so that's, that's a big, big drain. And I visited with the um, North Idaho Building Contractors Association the other day, because right now people are asking for impact fees to cover the cost of growth. If urban renewal dollars were not being used for urban renewal districts, but rather it was going into the coffers of the local governments to be able to take care of the normal needs, growth would pay for itself. But yeah. an impact fee on top of everything else will just raise the prices of housing. And as you already know, probably, you've probably thought about buying a house at some time in your life. I mean, eventually. Looking yeah. forward to it. Well, those are the kind of things that's going to hinder your ability to purchase a home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for your answer. Uh, moving on, why do you want to win? And what would it mean to you if you won this race? Why do I want to win this race? Um, I got chastised by some people because I really don't want to go to Boise. I like my life. I'd rather do this, that, or the other thing at my own pleasure and my own leisure. I'm semi-retired right now. But if you don't go to Boise, you're not able to do anything. If I don't win this campaign, this election, then somebody else is going to go down there that has no knowledge of what's taking place, how it operates, what effects are on the county with, with decisions made in Boise. And for that reason, and for my children and grandchildren, for you and your children, that's why I want to win this election, because I can make a difference. I've already made a difference, even in Kootenai County. This jail that went forth, this jail expansion. Yeah. For several years, the sheriff's office and the commissioners tried to get a bond passed to build a brand new facility. And it ranged anywhere from $50 million to $100 million, or paying $5 million or whatever per year annual rent on another facility that failed and flopped. They didn't finish building the jail that they had built. It was already designed, the existing jail was designed to have been added onto back in 2000. It didn't happen. So I moved forward to the process to start looking into it. We shelled out an enti the entire footprint of what's available and half of it we put beds and medical facilities in to bring us up to where we could have, I think we have about, um, 470 beds in the, in the jail now. That cost $12.5 million to do. But we made a deal with a contractor that, okay, you guarantee it, we'll cap at $12.5 million. We'll split any overrun with you. So there was mm -hmm. about $500,000 overrun. Kootenai County got 250000 of that overrun back into the pocket. So it was $12.25 million. That wasn't very popular and it was very difficult because the sheriff wanted to have a brand spanking new facility. 
Mm. Previous boards of commissioners have tried to get something done and the people aren't going to pay for it. We were able to build it out of pocket and not have, we used our rainy day fund or portions of it. We had like $36 million in the bank that was just sitting there and we used $12.5 million out of it to make a facility that we could have room for probably another 120 beds and we'd be able to use that for another probably 15 years. Yeah. That's one of the things that I was able to do and there's a whole bunch of those kind of things. Why didn't the commissioners previously do it? They could have built, if they'd have done this when they ran the first bond to expand the jail, they could have done it for 5 million bucks and they had the money. Mm. Why did they not do it? And that's a, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> um, what were you saying? Anyway, that, you know, that's the type of stuff I've done in business all the time. You know, always working deals and going back and forth and trying to figure out how to make things worse with what you have available instead yeah. of some pie in the sky idea that's going to flop on its ears. Mm. Well, thank you for your um, answer. Uh, now, this is a question that I, I had to do a little research because I didn't know, because I get comments and I get messages asking for, for me to ask politicians uh, whether or not they support red flag laws. And um, I didn't know what a red flag law was. My parents didn't know what a red flag law was. And I even asked some politicians and they didn't know what a red flag law was. So I did some research because it seemed like it was an, it was an issue. Um, and uh, this question is about it. Um, from my knowledge, uh, you say you don't want red flag laws. That's what I uh, read on your website. Uh, for those who do not know what a red flag law is, it is um, it permits police or family members to petition a state court to order temporary removal uh, from a person who may be dangerous to others or uh, or him slash herself. Uh, why is this why is this law an issue, and why should why should we care? I am really glad you asked that question. First, I want to I want to make a statement. So. A politician is an individual who wants to be reelected to office. And you've seen bad decisions made by politicians based upon public uh, popularity so that they can get back into office. A statesman is someone who does what's right for the people and follows the constitution and the laws regardless of the consequences. I always prefer to be a statesman rather than a politician. So your question over there, you're familiar with the Second Amendment? Yes. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And then we have the First Amendment. The Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition government for redress of grievances. With the red flag law, it says that you could go over to um, your local law enforcement officer and say, hey, that Mark Eberlein guy, he scares me. You know, I think he's got a gun laying there on the desk beside him as he speaks. And that, and that very much unnerves me. I'm yeah. wondering if he's a threat to society. A red flag law would allow the police to come over here and if they determine, because I wasn't very happy about having to give 
give me my give them the gun that's laying here on the table, which there isn't. It's only a thing. Although I have two of them, a red and a black one. But they could come in and say, okay, we've got this complaint over here about you and we're concerned about it. So we're gonna take your guns and we're gonna incarcerate you for a period of time just to make sure while we investigate this. That violates a lot of constitutional laws. It, it violated my second amendment rights. It violated my first amendment rights. It, it violated a great number of rights that we have as American citizens. So now, what, there, what states, uh, have this enabled? Like, what states have? Ha is there any states that yes, this has been there are there are some. There are several states that have it. It was started by a uh, gentleman down in California who was very very wealthy. And I'm not. There are people that shouldn't be on the streets. There are people that should be in jail. And occasionally, bad people do bad things to good people. This gentleman that started this red flag law, this is Marcy's law. His sister's name was Marcy. She was, they were very wealthy people. Marcy was entangled in a civil entanglement with some guy, and he subsequently ended up killing her. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. But what, what caused that? A, we have moral decadence is pretty rampant in this society. And furthermore, I believe that what we have today is a legal system. You know what the difference, you know what a legal system is? Yeah. That's judges and clerk, courts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We used to have a justice system because chances are that guy that killed Marcy did something at some point in time and he wasn't proper. He, was, he might even beat the dickens out of her and got off scot-free. Mm. A red flag law is a knee-jerk reaction in, in towards our legal system that we have. If we had a justice system, it would be totally different. We, there's, you remember when Renfro um, killed one of our Coeur d'Alene City officers? Oh, yeah. Well, in the old days, justice was much swifter than that. There are several. How about the Duncan case with the Grony kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Mr. Duncan is still sitting somewhere. What, what justice was done to those kids? And that wouldn't have been Duncan's first time out of the chute either. And it wasn't Renfro's first time out of the chute either. Throwing more laws at it like red flag laws doesn't cure anything. There needs to be a justice system and the judges need to be able to have the ability to deal with the crime, the punishment, that's necessary to keep where we are free and safe out here. Yeah. When some guy from Washington State that was convicted of second degree murders, released on probation, comes over here to Kootenai, over to um, Bonner County in this case, and goes up and kills again, where was the justice in that? How about some guy that gets out of, that's a, that's a rapist, gets out of prison and rapes five more women and then goes back in? That's, Red flag laws won't stop that. Only a justice system can fix that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is just a question I had. Why, I mean, why, why are people so, because personally, I don't think this is going to be passed here anytime soon, just because how Republican and how conservative we are and the people we elect. But why, why are people freaking out about this? Because 
in Idaho, because we are a fairly conservative state, we understand the constitution of the federal of the federal constitution as well as the state constitution much better, and we are more able to see and understand what the red flag law's real effect would be, which would take away people's rights. And I think that's why Idaho has been able to hold out for a while. Although there's a lot of pressure from outside the state to get us to do it. You're probably familiar with a group called Reclaim Idaho. Yeah. Reclaim it to what? Anarchy? I, I, the red flag law is gonna struggle here, but, the, but it's gonna continue on being put forward. Yeah. Um, thank you for your answer. Um, now, okay, here's, here's the most important question. The question that determines whether or not you win, whether or not you become the state senator for District 3 is cereal soup. Is cereal soup. How old are you, how old are you Luke? I'm 13, 13 years I'm, old. I'm 60. So in the old days, we used to have a certain name for things that we wore on our feet when we went down to the beach. You call them flip-flops. What, do, what, did, what did people back in the day call them? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you go look it up sometime. You know, I'll look it up right now. What did people call flip-flops? What did people call flip-flops? Thongs. There you go. And we have a different we have a different meaning for thongs today, don't we? Yes. So cereal. Back when I was a kid, hot cereal like oatmeal or zoom or something like that was really nasty stuff that we just detested. If you were really lucky, you'd get some cocoa puffs or maybe some um, Captain Crunch or maybe some Fruit Loops or something like that. Yeah. We wouldn't have called any one of those soup back in the day. I suppose, properly speaking, if soup that has liquid and some other contents in it, whether, you know, whether it's hot or whether it's cold, it might have meat, it might have potatoes or grains in it, you could probably stretch it and call it soup. You know, I disagree with you completely. I feel, I, well, if cereal is a soup, then it brings up the question, is water wet? Is water wet? Why, yes, it's wet. Well, is oven baked? No, there, now you're going to play on words. <laughs> Ovens bake, but oven baked is a, is a verb or a term for something. But with cereal, if you could take, you know, the, there are some countries that have cold soup. So hot and cold doesn't necessarily have to be. Either one of them could be a... Uh, uh, term that could be used for soup and what what goes inside a soup you dump something into some water or some milk or some tomato juice or something and you can call it soup yeah yeah personally my favorite is wonton soup oh my my favorite is uh oh tomato bisque that that's pretty good i like that at least it doesn't have fungus in it <laughs> mushrooms <laughs> I hate mushrooms. Mushrooms are the worst, man. Hey, we're going to get along just fine then, Luke. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark, for being on my podcast. Some people, when I call them up or email them, they're just like, who is this kid? Don't call me again. 
And so I appreciate you uh, uh, answering my email and calling me. Thank you. You aren't the normal 13-year-old kid, my friend. <laughs> well, You're old beyond your age. Well, um, thank you for listening to the Kinda Opinionated Podcast. We're now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. We're on it. So uh, tune in whenever to watch another one. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.